everybody, and welcome to East Coast Office Hours, the Fanbyte podcast with me, Merritt Kay, and Danielle Riando. Hi. Hi. How's it going? I'm, I'm all right. I, uh, you know, it's been a, a week. <laughs> it's, it's been, been a long week. A long week, for yeah. sure. For How sure. How are you? For sure. How are you doing? I'm real tired. Yeah. Um, I yeah got up early this morning to record another podcast, and uh, didn't get to sleep until late ish last night. No. And um, so I'm running on uh, on fumes, I would say. But I'm gonna Co- coffee fumes. Yeah, running on coffee fumes, huffing those good bean fumes. <laughs> uh, just trying to recalibrate, reset for the weekend, getting excited for the stream we're doing tomorrow. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah. Um, just, you know, recalibrating. Recalibrating. I, uh, I know that you're on a couple of segments. I'm not going to lie. The one I'm most excited about is a karting segment that you're doing with Jordan, our, our fine producer. Here. We're doing a kart racing segment. Yeah. So we are going to be playing a selection of our faves. Uh, oh, good. Not Mario Kart because <laughs> uh, it's going to be PC games only. So not Mario gotcha. Kart. Gotcha. But uh, we're going to be doing Sonic and Sega All-Stars Racing Transformed, which is oh a game that came out god like eight years ago maybe truly love uh, that game yeah it's it had so many great ideas uh i think the newer one the one that came out last year just wasn't as inventive team sonic racing it just wasn't yeah, that as, one had like uh an interest it did have like an interesting idea about oh you race as a team and it's how everybody yeah. places on your team which was like a cool idea but i feel like it didn't set the world on fire Kinda. No, it yeah. it was a cool concept, but the cars were just cars. They had a really limited character selection. Yeah. They moved away from the sort of Sega classic thing because they were like, oh, only perverts care about Sega characters <laughs> who aren't Sonic. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's, there wasn't a ton there, I feel like, from what yeah. I saw. So we're going to do that. We're going to do Garfield Kart. Oh my God, uh, specifically yes. Specifically the sequel to Garfield Kart, Garfield Kart Furious Racing, <gasps> which I played a few months ago. And honestly, it's not terrible. There's like some good ideas in that game too. Some interesting item decisions. Yeah. Uh, you can I remember be reading about this. Garfield, <laughs> you can be Odie. You can be all your faves from Garfield. Uh, yeah. And... Uh, there's no lasagna car, which is kind yeah, of disappointing. Yeah, that was the problem. Yeah, yeah. I think there's a lasagna pickup. Like, there's a lasagna item. I think it is just, like... I think a lasagna is, like, the mushroom of that game. Like, it gives but you energy to go fast. I think so. <laughs> but uh, I don't remember. But we're also going to be playing a game called... Uh, oh, what is it? Uh, Super or Sonic SRB Sonic Robo Blast 2 Kart. So, oh my God. Oh uh, my this God. is, yeah, this is a game that is a Doom mod. <laughs> um, oh my God. Yeah. So, 
Sonic Roboblast 2 is a Doom mod that's a Sonic platformer, I believe. And then they wow. made a a mode of that that was based on Sonic Riders, which was the Sonic okay. game where people ride hoverboards. And then someone made a Mario Kart mod of that. And then now there's a standalone game called SRB2 Kart. And it's just basically like a like a fan-made kart racer that is kind of, I, I think it's sim- most similar to like Super Mario Kart. Yeah. Um and it but it's like a kart racer made by people who like don't want to just make a Mario Kart who like want to make it actually skill based. So nice. there are still items and stuff, but I think there's it's more technique based. Um okay. around like uh, momentum and like drifting and uh it's like mainly a multiplayer game. So it's like mm. a you know, sixteen players. And there's tons of characters and stuff like and the the base mode is just like a few Sonic characters, but then there's like character packs that people just add. And uh one of them that comes with the game includes like um a bunch of Sega characters. Like it includes like Ulala and like uh oh, Rio. Uh good. But good. then also just like Hatsune Miku and Doom Guy. <laughs> because it was originally a Doom mod. So sure. I'm excited to try that. I haven't played it uh, before, but it's just such a wild like <laughs> origin, honestly. Um, yeah, where this this game came from, such an unlikely story that God, yeah, I kind of just love it. I just love stuff like that. I remember a few years ago playing a Donkey Kong Country game made in Doom, like a Doom wad that was DKC Doom. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like, obviously some things didn't fit 100%, but they used like, you know, all the original sprites from the original games and the physics actually were incredible and really good, except for like on occasion, you would like slip off a ledge going 200 miles an hour with your, you know, monkey. But uh-huh. <laughs> it was just the, coolest thing i just love when people kind of retrofit things in this fashion like this engine was not meant to do any of x y or z it's kind of like early days unity um Mm. like trying to do 2d in unity when it was only unity 3d i remember making like basically a spinning cube that had different frames of animation like for a walk cycle for a it's just like a stick figure, but it would just like spin the cube and at such a like fashion that it just looked like a 2D thing walking and setting the camera on a certain plane. It's just like uh-huh. wild shit that's just funny to think about. This wasn't meant for this, but you've now made it do these weird yeah. things. And that's funny and fun. Like if you went back in time to John Romero and you were like, <laughs> this game that you're making is going to be used to make a Mario Kart starring Sonic and a Japanese pop star that doesn't exist as a real person. I think he would just like, I don't even know. He would just be like, I, uh, he would either be like really excited or just like, just be like, well, I guess I'm just going to, uh, become an accountant then. 
Yeah, I guess I'll go be a dentist. That sounds okay. More. Well, yep. <laughs> the world is too fucking crazy for me. I'm good. I'm calling the police, says Jordo. <laughs> yeah, uh, that might be what he says. <laughs> <laughs> Who are you? How did you get into the id offices? Oh, in 1993. Yeah. In 1993. Yeah. God. I really, there is a certain sense of like romanticism that I, as you know, a nineties kid put on like, what was the, what was the creative atmosphere like in making these games that were, you know, formative to me? Like, what was it like making super Mario world in that office? And the answer is almost always, it was probably awful and terrible and like, Mm -hmm. just you know, like working 90 hours a week and, and, you know, that type of thing. But I, I also truly wonder what it was like to actually be at id Software in like 1992, 93, before Doom comes out. Like what, what was your life like if you were making this software and you were, you know, creating animations for things like fireballs that move slowly enough that a player could react to it and everything uh-huh. like that? a fun thought experiment it doesn't go very far other than like oh you know the second season of halt and catch fire which is by the way a great show um the mm-hmm. whole second season was basically uh, uh two of the characters like running a video game studio in the mid 80s which would have been way before the actual creation of doom and like making like a tag team game yeah but still it was it was that was a fun interesting season of a good show But yeah, I think I'm on, let's see, I am doing a Hitman block with Colin and I am doing a Prey Moon Crash block with Colin and John. So lots of uh, immersive sim stuff for me this weekend, which um, I think suits me pretty well. I do know, and I, this is something I, I wanted to bring up on, on this podcast since this is our podcast. I heard tell that you actually downloaded some arcane games recently, some immersive simulators. I did. There yeah. was a sale on Steam. Yeah. Uh, it's a platform where I go to buy video games sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Um, I know everyone uses the Epic Game Store primarily. Right, of course. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I bought Dishonored, yes. uh, the first one. And pray, and I haven't started either of them yet. Okay, um, no problem. I am. And, uh, well, I will ask you yeah. in the future because I am so curious what you think of my favorite genre that's not platformers. Because um, <laughs> it sounds like you haven't played many of those types of games before, possibly. Uh, I haven't played a ton of them. Okay. Uh, but I tried a bit of Dishonored 2 a few years ago and I never really mm-hmm, was able mm-hmm. to get into it. Sure, sure. Dishonored is a series that gets better with each game. I think people loved the first one because it just was one of these and nobody had had one in a while, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's 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 more the stealth thief, you know, lineage than the sort of uh, system shock lineage. Arcane really does like make both of those styles of game. Prey is the more system shock lineage. Um, but yeah, if if Dishonored 1 doesn't grab you, I would recommend Death of the Outsider because that is the most, like, 
the best okay. thing that Dishonored is, uh, of course. And that one's also a shorter game. Like, that's an eight-hour game as opposed to, like, you know, uh, the more 15-hour ilk of uh, the first Dishonored. Um, and Prey is one of my favorite games of all time, so. Yeah. I no think, pressure. Um, I often... Uh, um, I think I'm often allergic to stealth games for whatever sure, reason. Sure, Maybe sure. I just don't have the patience for them. Um, yeah. I think there's this thing with stealth games sometimes where they like inspire this drive to be perfect. And if mm, something goes uh-huh. wrong, you yeah. want to just restart or whatever. And um, I don't really care for that. I don't sure. know. I didn't really get into Hitman. And I know everyone likes those games and I maybe should give those another try when the new one comes out. Uh, I mean, Metal Gear Solid five is one of my favorite games of all time. Yeah. So I was going to say, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that there's just all this weird shit that you could do that. I don't know. I think maybe just the atmosphere there was enough to hook me and enough to mm-hmm. keep me in. Um, yeah. Maybe dishonored. Maybe I'll find a way to, to do that, but maybe I'll try pray first. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, whichever. I'm just super curious because I am weirdly invested. It's not like I work for these companies or that I made these <laughs> games. I just like them a lot. Um, and yeah, I like what they do a lot. I actually think both of those games do a good job of giving you plenty of tools for if the stealth breaks, well, you actually do have like guns and weapons and ways of getting out and ways of kind of like Oh, the chaos is broken, and now there's plenty of other things that you can do and fuck with, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, I just love playing those games, particularly because I love the sandbox aspect. I love the, let me fuck with this and see what happens if I do this. Like, I'll, I'll like, I usually play them not perfect by any means. Like, I actually enjoy that when things break bad and what I can do with that mm. and, and, like, fucking with them and fucking with the AI and, and things like that. But I do play them non-lethal. Like I don't kill the guards. I put them to sleep and then I stack them in impossible like <laughs> contortions and see what happens. And I think occasionally a guard has like fallen out of a pile and drowned, like mm-hmm. fell into a river, even though they were safely put in the recovery position that I so carefully dangled their limbs in such a way that I was like, okay, you'll be fine, buddy. Um, and they like rolled out of the pile and fell into a river once. I was really pissed about that. But, you know, other than that, uh, that's what's fun for me. Uh, that's what's fun for me about video games is like seeing what happens when things fuck up. Mm. Uh, but, you know, there's also no pressure. I don't want you to feel like, oh, is this supposed to be great? Am I supposed to be having this feeling? Because that's the worst feeling in the world when something is supposed to be good and people tell you it's good. And then you're just like actually this sucks and I, I want to go take a nap. So yeah. Yeah. Say go at it at your own pace. Yeah. And also Susan Sarandon is in that first dishonored and she is granny rags. Oh, yep. Granny rags. Now is the first dishonored, uh, did it do that thing where like, if you don't do stealth for the entire game, you get the bad ending. No, it's actually based on choices you make. Uh, like, I mean, there might be some element. If you kill people, you get increase the chaos. Yes, it is one of those. Um, but you can also like run away from combat and hide, like (laughs) if you wanted to. 
Like, yeah, you could be seen a bunch and then just like run around and like fuck with the AI and then just distract them and run hmm. past them. Like, there are so many ways around shit uh, that it doesn't feel like, oh, you have to be a perfectionist and restart things. At least for me, okay. I don't think it feels well, that Well, that's way. cool. Yeah. And like, there are also big moral decisions you can make, which they did a much better job of, again, in the preceding, or sorry, the uh, successive games. Like, in the first one, there are those kind of like binary moral decisions and the like thing that people complained about, which is a valid criticism, is that like the good decision of not killing someone was almost always like way worse than like if you just fucking killed them. Like it was always mm. like sending somebody to like a horrible situation. And it was just like, that's <laughs> fucking, it, it's funny in a way because it's just like, what are you, what? <laughs> I, I genuinely just don't know if it was intentional or not because one of them is, oh, there are these twins who run a brothel, I think in uh, whatever, the Dunwall, I think is the name of the, the city. Um, and like you send them off to go be like, basically like, indentured servants at a at a mine or something instead of just like fucking killing them there there's a woman who it's like you send her off to be with like the guy who loves her but she's not into him and like it's just sort of like fucked up actually uh just fucking killing her probably would have been like more merciful but yeah uh look forward to to that i guess i actually didn't beat the first dishonored uh, really? I loved the shit out of every other like second of Dishonored, but I didn't beat the first one because <sighs> I actually found the atmosphere like really oppressive in some places in that game. It just kind of gross in ways that like weren't fun to be around. Whereas the second one plays so much more with like different atmospheres. And so does uh, Death of the Outsider, which is like the third one, the sort of shorter third one. Um yeah, and the characters are more interesting in, in the uh, later games and things like that. But I also think the first Dishonored is worth playing to see where it kind of all comes from and where things go. Like, I actually do think that's a useful thing to do in game series is kind of see where the devs made some adjustments or made, you know, different choices, basically. Um, mm-hmm. And I think the first half of the game is great. It's just it didn't it didn't keep me the whole way, basically. But that's fine. We all have our starts, you know. What have you been? Uh, have you been playing anything more recently? I've been playing a lot of UFC Four. Oh yeah, uh, how's that? And like, it's good. It's a really good game, and I'm just sort of struggling with whether or not I want to write this piece about it or not because I don't know if it's too navel gazy. <laughs> so I guess this is a peek behind the curtain. Um, like, it's very invested, especially the story mode, is very invested in this, like, in, a, in like, a storyline of you coming up as, like, a young fighter and, like, mm. you know, starting as an amateur who gets their ass kicked, basically, and then you go and you train and you get better and then you do more amateur fights and then you, like, make it to the pros. And I'm kind of, like, really enjoying it and also worried about what it says about me that this is such a powerful power fantasy for me and my own, like issues with injuries I've had that have kept me from doing this for real. So I don't know. Again, I don't want to be like too navel gazy. Like I want to write pieces that mean something, but I also don't want to sit here and be like, you know what? I'm sure anybody else with a wrist injury feels this way. Uh, (laughs) The game itself is really good. It's just inspiring all these feelings, Uh, which (laughs) games do sometimes. You know, they give you feelings. Now, if there was like a grappling game, 
Like, there never will be. Because most people that play these games don't give a fuck about grappling. What if there ever was so a, wait, like, a good game about grappling? There's not... Isn't that a big part of it? It's a huge part of it, but you can basically turn it off because a lot of people just don't care about it. Uh, you can you can basically set the grappling to like easy mode grappling and just make like a like three choices like, oh, do this or this instead of, you know, actually making button presses and timed movements and things like that to like engage fully with the grappling. They basically huh. let you do it as a punchy kicky <laughs> game. Weird. Um, a lot, of, a lot of MMA fans don't like that part. I guess of MMA. grappling doesn't look as fun. Like you, yeah, there's no, you can't get like a slow motion gif of someone grappling someone. Like you I can't know. just like someone smashing someone's jaw with a punch, right? Well, you could, but it would be a lot more gruesome because it's going to be like a bone breaking. Like it'd be like a slow motion like bone break or something like that, which they do. I mean, they show those on broadcasts, and it's it's a lot. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a slower burn type of activity, right? It just doesn't look as immediately cool as punching and kicking, which I fully admit. Like grappling, high-level grappling looks incredibly stupid if you don't like kind of know what's going on or care about what's going on. Um, it looks great at, like at the end, like when somebody is choking somebody or has them in a joint lock or something, and you know you get to the oh shit moment where anybody can like read it and be like, oh fuck, that guy's about to go to sleep. Um, but yeah. Yeah, it's still there's still kind of a, a bias towards the striking game, which I I understand. I get it. Like <sighs> oh, actually Jordan's uh putting through a really good theory, which is absolutely true. Are there homophobic reasons why MMA guys don't like grappling, mayhaps? Yeah, huh. I mean like there are even gyms where so normally if you're gra- if you're grappling, you're wearing like basically spats, which are just like tights. Like they're tights that are meant to not fall the fuck off when, you know, you're doing stuff. You don't want basically limbs yeah. to get caught in clothing. That's why you wear such tight clothing when you're grappling. Um, it's basically like surfing. You can also wear like board shorts and things can get stuck in those, but they tend to be like the type of material where you just kind of glance off. Um, there are definitely, I've been to gyms where people are like, oh, guys should wear shorts over their spats because they're just so like, oh, you know, like, oh, how how unmasculine it would be if, like, somebody saw a dick print. Like, who fucking cares? It's fine. Like, I don't know. There are a lot of thoughts at my gym about this, about how stupid that attitude is. But also my gym is, like, the most, like, queer-friendly, like, accepting, gender nonconforming, accepting gym in, like, America. So <laughs> that's, yeah, part of why I go there and why I like it so much. But, yeah, there are people who are like, oh, it's so gay, bro. Because, like, yeah, your ass is going to be in the other person's face all the time. And, like, mm-hmm. you do have to get, like, very close to do grappling. It's literally, like, a, your body is on the other person's body. It does look like horrible sex that people are just doing wrong. Like, it looks like aliens, like, thought, oh, that's a sex. And they started doing it. And it's bad. It doesn't look great. Um, but those people, frankly, should get over it because grappling is wonderful. And it's a great sport. And, uh... That's what I got for that. I guess I'm also playing Animal Crossing, which is the opposite of UFC 4. Um, but it, it doesn't have to be. You know, if we could have Animal Crossing characters be in the octagon, um, you know, I think we could have a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Mary, was there anything you like you worked on this week that was especially exciting and fun and that you wanted to highlight? Yeah. Um, definitely. I think the one that sticks out in my mind is the piece that Jack Yarwa did on CDI Tetris. Oh, yeah. Uh, because that was very fun. Um, for people who don't know, there was a Tetris game released for the Philips CDI, which wasn't good like it wasn't a good version of tetris but the soundtrack was really outstanding it was kind of these like these nature vibes this really ambient stuff and this was in like the 90s so very much ahead of the whole vaporwave uh aesthetic and obviously the vaporwave aesthetic is based on cobbling together 90s aesthetics but but this soundtrack sort of blew up um in the 2010s because it was so emblematic of this. And also like the presentation of the game is really good. Like it's just Tetris over like, uh, (laughs) landscapes and, uh, very just like good vibes. And, uh, Jack, uh, found the, uh, composer of, uh, of this soundtrack. And he's not someone who does like a lot of game music anymore. Like he, basically did this and a few other games and uh, then sort of just went back to just uh, making music for himself and for other projects. His name is Jim Andron. And uh, uh, he, yeah, actually his first game was Who Framed Roger Rabbit (laughs) and uh, then worked on a bunch of other games and uh, Tetris CDI was sort of, has become his most well-known, I think. And it's a, great soundtrack if you're at all into this kind of music i would say definitely check it out um it was the first game that he worked on that was uh cd uh based so that shit okay you know he he talks about how he really chafed against the restrictions of doing music for cartridge based games at the time that just didn't have great sound fidelity um and so basically being able to just do whatever you want uh, on like a CD quality game uh, opened up a lot of possibilities. So I would say definitely check that out. It's in a way Tetris CDI is kind of a precursor to uh, Tetris Effect mm. because that game does a lot of the same stuff in terms of having a soundtrack and uh, visuals that are really like hashtag aesthetic Um, because (laughs) you know, the early Tetris games basically just uh, they borrowed from uh, or they sort of leaned into the game's Russian origins. And so the, the Tetris song that people know is uh, based on a Russian folk song called uh, Korbeniki. And that's, you know, I think until Tetris effect was really strongly associated with the series and then Tetris effect sort of was like, actually let's just go in a different direction with this. Let's just add, like just have waterfalls or like mountains or something. And, um, it wasn't the first game to do that, which is kind of interesting. This is sort of a forgotten, um, example of, uh, of the kind of stuff that became popular like 20 years later. So Yeah. yeah. How about you? That's so cool. Um, probably my favorite thing this week is uh, 
the Jawbreaker podcast. Oh my God, uh, that, that was so fun. <laughs> and you love to see it. We've, we've kind of got like a little trend going uh, on you love to see it of like very 90s movies um, that it's just been really, really entertaining mm-hmm. and fun to do like campy 90s stuff lately. Uh, and this one really just, I can't stop thinking about it. Like we watched it on Sunday night and it's just my whole week. I've had like Imperial teens stuck in my head. <laughs> I've just been like going about my business with that soundtrack in my head. Just, oh my God, what a fucking bizarre delight of a, I mean, an absolute mess of a movie, but such a fun ride, such a fun time. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm just really, really enjoying the the movie podcasts we've been doing lately. It's been like a very good time to do them. Um, yeah. It's just Rose McGowan. Just Rose McGowan in that movie. Can't stop thinking about her. <laughs> Absolutely. <sighs> just such wonderful, pure evil and having so much fun. Oh, Yeah. Again, that was probably my favorite thing. It's been a week of like really just getting ready for a lot of things, Uh, getting ready for the weekend, of course, the big stream that we're doing, Um, doing a lot of social videos, just kind of making a lot of background decisions, building things, Mm -hmm. you know, the stuff that's like fun for me, but not always fun to talk about, I guess, on a podcast. Um, So plenty of that good shit. Uh, But yeah. Also, I had fun, I suppose, a lot of fun as well on Fan Fight this week. Uh, we talked about a favorite uh, fight of mine, like an, a huge upset from a, from a few years ago. That was awesome. And a fighter who is both an incredible fighter and she's also really, really into sustainable farming, like ridiculously into it and uh, talks about like mental health concerns and is just like just a real one, you know, just a real one. So, yeah, that's been really good this week. Good to do that. Well, I feel like uh, it, it's a good idea to keep this one relatively short this week since we have so much to do to prepare for tomorrow, to get ready, to ready our bodies and minds for yeah. the stream. <laughs> Unless there was uh, there were other things you wanted to bring up before we closed for business. Uh, no, I mean, yeah, we're going to keep this one short, I think. Uh, it's big weekend (laughs) so uh (laughs) you know tune into the uh tune into the stream and uh starting at 1 p.m eastern tomorrow so saturday uh the 29th yeah all join us for 24 non-consecutive hours i think there are like a few hours that maybe uh and then it goes till 5 p.m on sunday so yeah Mm -hmm. that'll be good yeah All right. Well, thank you, everyone. I think we're about ready to close office hours for business. Uh, Please do rate and review our podcast because it really does help. It helps so very much. And uh, if you tell a friend, that also helps us so very much. And we really do appreciate it. You can listen to all of our stuff at fanbyte.com slash podcasts. You can follow us on Twitter at Fanbyte Media, on Instagram at Fanbyte, on TikTok at Fanbyte, and of course, on fanbyte.com. And you can watch all of our good streams, especially our big... uh, 24-hour stream, which is, of course, for charity. It's going to go to uh, bail funds. Uh, That's on twitch.tv slash fanbite. Thank you, as always, to Jordan Mallory for producing, and I am so looking forward 
uh, to watching the two of you play carding games tomorrow, especially weird carding games that got their life in like six different genres. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Uh, and with that, office hours are closed for business. 